Spring of Life Fellowship and the vision of changing the world invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Let's listen to our guest. Okay, oh, this is great. I feel kind of naked up here. Usually all weekend someone's been up here interpreting, so I, I, I feel kind of lonely up here. Um, does my hair look okay? I worked on it really hard this morning. That, I had to cut it so it wouldn't fall in my eyes. But uh, uh, before I, well, let me introduce Brenda, then I'll, uh, Brenda, will you stand up? Uh, this is my bride of almost 32 years. Uh, uh, she, she is my better half. Uh, she is my best friend. Uh, when we got married, uh, there's a lot of things I didn't know when she was my best friend when we first got married, but now she is. And um, it's just, you know, it's so funny. I'm an old married guy. And when she travels or, and I'm at home or whatever, and, or if I'm traveling and she's not with me, uh, I, I have a hard time sleeping if she's not beside me, you know. And so she'll call because I'll stay up. You know, and she'll call, she'll say, go to bed, you know, because I just miss her. You know, sometimes I don't eat a lot if she's not around because I just, it's, you know what I'm saying? It's just, it's not she has to cook the food for me, but it's all the love that goes behind that. So she is a real blessing and uh, puts up with me. And so, uh, honey, I love you very much. I'm really glad you're in my life. And so uh, the other thing I want to do real quick before I get started, and, and I think we'll be out about 2 o'clock. Uh, Pastor Molina, will you come up here, please? I have something for you. Um, I really into discipleship. And Gary Chapman, Five Love Languages, got led me to Christ when I was a lot younger. And he told me, based on uh, 2 Timothy 2, 2, you haven't made a disciple to your disciples made a disciple. And so the guys I disciple, when they give me spiritual grandchildren, I give them this corn. And it's a spiritual warfare corn. It's really pretty, and I hope you'll ask Pastor Molina to let you look at it. But I also give it to certain men who are impacting the world. And as I come to this church and I've heard about what's going on with Pastor Kenny and different guys, uh, uh, Pastor Torres, uh, I'm seeing it in front of me and it's just, it's just incredible. And so I just want to, not that you need this, but I'd just like to give that to you to say Thank I you, appreciate sir. you awesome. and may encourage you. So, uh, so I hope you like that. So I love you very much. Thank you. Okay. Um, this couple things, I have a few books I think we still have left here that I hope we'll, these guys will buy because I live with four women and um, they have a mall ministry and, and I have to support them in their mall ministry. So if, so if you'll buy those books, I'd appreciate it. And a book I did not bring but wish I had of is, is the newest book I have that's out. It's called Single and Free to Be Me. And so most, the first part of the sermon, I'm going to talk to single people. So if you're middle school and older, if you like the opposite sex, I'm going to spend the first part of the sermon talking to you. And then if I get to it, I want to share with the married people uh, seven practices that are revolutionizing my marriage. I haven't revolutionized it, but we're in process because you keep learning in marriage. Okay, is that okay? We sound good? So the first part, I want to talk to single folks. So this one is for you. And um, let me say this too. Thank you for all the love you guys have given us. We, we had just been blown away. I mean, we had just been blown away. And, and you, uh, we were with the... Uh, Oh, it's uh, Melina's house last night, and so many people were there. We're eating all this food. We're up all night, and it was just—it was great, and I loved it. 
But maybe the greatest gift that I received uh, while I've been here was uh, I lost my mentor. He went to be with the Lord uh, Thursday, and um, a lot of stuff went on. And, and, and uh, his funeral was Saturday. It was really quick. And so I had the funeral Saturday, and I couldn't be there. But I knew he would want me to be here than back there. And, uh, but I still miss him. He was 91 years old, and he taught me a lot about taking care of his wife, who was 90, and he'd been married 67 years. And so I, I, and my father was shot and killed when I was 20, and so I've always gravitated to older men. And so the great gift God gave me yesterday was your dad. I was sitting with your dad in the back, back there, and, uh, and he hugged me. And uh, it was just really, and that was just, it's like God just, just showered me with love. So I just want to thank you for doing that, and thanks for sharing your day with me. Okay. Uh, okay, well, let's get into this, this sermon so I can be done in a couple hours. Um, it's called Relationship, Keys in the Songs of Life. And I want to say this, as I talk about, especially we do a marriage deal, so often the single people are left out. And, and I want to talk to you guys first and encourage you, and I want you to know this, as, as much as the church talks about marriage, and it should because marriage is biblical, that if you are in Christ, you are complete. You do not have to be in a relationship to be complete in Christ. That's really important you understand that. Because if not, then something's wrong. So I want you to understand that. But I also know that single people often tell me, hey, I've read Genesis 2.18. Genesis 2.18 says this. It says, God said it's not good for the man to be alone. It says, I will make a helper suitable for him. And so if you're single, you may be asking this question, but not really talking to people about it. But in your mind, you may be thinking about this. Well, if God doesn't want people to be alone, you know, I'm ready now. What's the delay? And some of you may be thinking, hey, well, I'm not worthy enough. I'm not good looking. Can you advance that slide so they can see this one? Yeah. You may be thinking, I'm not worthy enough. I'm not good looking enough. I'm, I don't deserve it. I'm not athletic enough. If you hear that, that's not biblical. That's not of God. That's a lie from Satan. Amen. So, so don't buy into that, okay? Don't do that. But we need to be aware of Satan's lies. Okay? Satan initially wants to get you and me to question, does God really have his best for us? He's really given us his best. You know, Satan wants us to believe for whatever reason that God is holding his best out from us. But if you understand the nature of Genesis, in the very beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, he created the land, the water, the atmosphere, all that. He created you and me last, or man last. And why did he do that? Because we're his crowning achievement. He wanted everything in place before he brought us and created man and put him on the earth, okay? So we need to understand that. But in Genesis 3, uh, chapter, and just turn to Genesis 3. I think that's in the Old Testament somewhere. Genesis 3, uh, chapter Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. If you'll turn to Genesis 3, uh, verse, uh, verse 1, I want to read this to you. It says this. It says, I'm reading from New Living Translation. It says, the serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, did God really say that you must not eat from any fruit of the trees in the garden? Of course you may eat from the fruit in the trees of the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. God says you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. Now, God never said anything about touching the fruit. But the issue here is that Eve was looking for a way to sin. And when she did that, she added something to what God had said. It's kind of like when I was a little boy, 
I grew up in North Carolina. And in North Carolina, we have basketball, tobacco, and Baptist, pretty much in that order, okay? And, and before I became a Christian, basketball was my God. That's what you did. And so if I wanted to go play basketball, you know, you always go to the weaker parent. You know, boys go to the mom, you know, girls go to the dad. So I went to my mom. I said, Mom, can I go play basketball? And she would say, go ask your father. So I'd go to my dad, and I, and I would say, Dad, Mom said I can go play. It was okay with you. You see the trans, change in translation? You see that? You know what I'm talking about? And so I would do that. That's what's happening here with Eve. She, she's, she's adding to something that's not really true. But when Satan sees she's weakening, when Satan sees she's looking for a way to sin, then he said, hey, you won't die. So he calls God a liar. And, and he says, God knows your eyes will be open as soon as you eat of it. And then he says, you will be what? What does he say there? You will be like him. You'll be like God knowing what? Both good and evil. Now, that's not really true because they already were like God. In Genesis chapter 1, uh, verse 26, God said, let us make humans, human beings, and in our own image. Basically, said, I want to get, make humans and give them my, my DNA. And they will reign over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky, the livestock, and all the wild animals on the earth. And, and all, it goes on. Then in verse 27, it says, so God created human beings in his own image. So over and over again, God is saying, I've already created you. You're already like me. You have my likeness. You have my DNA. But so often when we get involved with Satan, he shifts us from what's true. Satan was trying to give Eve something she already possessed. By very nature of Satan, he can't give you anything. He can't really own anything. And so Eve bought into that, and that's where she got in trouble. Another thing Satan cannot give us is peace. And he can promise it, but he can't deliver it, and he wouldn't even, even if he could. Isaiah 26.3 says, You will keep in perfect peace him or her whose mind is steadfast because he trusts you. Spiritual emptiness cannot be filled by physical action or possessions. So this is what I want single people to, to embrace and understand. God's best for me is always right now. Yes. It's not yesterday. It's not tomorrow. If we do that, we'll miss out on what the scripture talks about in Lamentations chapter 3, verse 22 and 23. It says, the faithful love of the Lord never ends. Grace is faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. If I'm always trying to look over here in yesterday, then I'm missing out what God's doing over here. If I'm too busy living in the past, then I'm missing what God's doing right now. And he says every day he's bringing fresh mercies for us. It was like when I was in a seminary, it was, uh, I was studying really hard. I had a straight A average, which was a huge thing because I'd actually flunked out of college. And fortunately, God is a God of grace. And so I'm in seminary, and, and um, studying actually became an act of worship. But to, to take a break, uh, I was going to play basketball. And while I was playing basketball, I tore my ACL. Well, because I wouldn't stay off the court, the, the, the doctor put me in a cast my ankle up to my thigh, and I couldn't do a whole lot. I had to get my homeboys to come and dress me for a while, which was really humiliating. And, uh, but while I was on my crutches, I met people that I never would have met had I not been on my crutches. And God used those different people to bless me and teach me things, give me a greater appreciation for walking. And I began to learn his best is not yesterday. It's not tomorrow. It's right now. Amen. So try and look and see what God's trying to do in your life this very day. Yes, if I'm 
realizing that God always has my best interest at heart, that he knows what's best for me more than I do. And it took a lot of pressure off me trying to, uh, to make relationships happen. And I hate to admit this, but and I don't know if you've ever been to a black Baptist church. But in a black Baptist church, a whole lot of stuff is always happening. Now, I was one of the associate pastors while I was in seminary. And uh, my buddy and I, we had a code. And I, I don't know if I should share this with you or not, but we had this code. And anyway, um, if a pretty girl came in, we're both single. If a pretty girl came in, he had a, boy, he had a girlfriend. But if a pretty girl came in uh, and a pastor was preaching, we were sitting up in a pulpit. And he, he would say, help me, Lord Jesus. So I, and so I knew to look over, and he would cross his leg, okay? And so if he crossed his left leg over here, she's on that side of the church. If he crossed on that side, and so I'd be looking, you know, so uh, we would try to make stuff happen. But uh, anyway, <clears throat> that's terrible, isn't it? Anyway, but, but here's a great, great song. <laughs> Psalm 139, verses 13 through 16 says this, and I love this, I love this passage. It says, you made all the delicate parts of my body, and you knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Now, now, gentlemen, you know women are complex, right? Absolutely. Now, you know that. Now, now, he created man, but he fashioned a woman. Do you know that? In fact, in the Hebrew, if you translate it correctly, it actually means he, he built the woman. And, and I'm not going to leave that alone, but just, I'm just telling you, he, he did that, but... But it took so much of him to make the woman that when he finished making woman, he took a day off. I mean, I, mean, I mean, if you go to Genesis chapter 2, verse 1, he took a day off, he did. And that's uncharacteristic of God because in, in Psalm 121, he says he never slumbers nor sleep. Well, he made woman, he went, whew. You know, so I'm just, I'm just saying, anyway, where was I? Okay. Then he says, he says, your workmanship and you and I are God's workmanship. Now, this is what God says about you. This is amazing. Whether you know God or not, this is what God says about you. This blows me away. He says, your workmanship is marvelous. The God of all creation looks at you and looks at me and says, you are marvelous. What's important about that? It doesn't matter what anybody says about you negatively. You need to know who you are and how God sees you. And if the God who makes the sunrise calls you marvelous, there's something about you. You have value because you have his DNA. In fact, in Genesis 1.28, when he says he blesses us, he actually, you know what that means? It's like when you have a little baby and you look at that baby and you go, wow. And then this baby is beautiful because that baby, your baby, has your DNA. So when God looks at you, he sees a reflection of himself. Isn't that good news? So don't lower your standards for anyone or anything. He says, how well I know. He says, you watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You know, he wasn't just there in the birthing room. He was there before the birthing room. He says, you saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. What that really means is God did not make the you to squeeze you into the day that God made the day for you. Whew. Isn't that something? To use in a way to glorify him, but God made the day for, for you. I think that's powerful stuff. But just remember, you have a godly destiny. So don't wish your time away on tomorrow or warn things to be different. Learn to embrace today. 
Now, if you're single and you're still not in a relationship and you're worried about that, let me share a few reasons why you may still be single. I'm not saying anything's wrong with you, just, but here's some things that may be helpful. It's all about trusting God, even when we don't feel like it. Are there times that you don't feel like going to work? Those of you who have jobs, are there times you don't feel like going to work? Anybody? Absolutely. Okay. But you go to work. Why do you go to work? Because, you, you know, you want that full paycheck, right? And so if you decide, I don't feel like going to work on Monday, but I go to work on Monday, but get the full paycheck on Thursday or Friday, you're glad you overrode your emotions to do the right thing, right? So we have to learn how to do that. So we need to trust God even when we don't feel like it. We're made in God's image. So we need to focus not on self-worship, but gain a better understanding of self-worth, who we are in Christ. So we need to see ourselves as God does. So, and maybe for single people, this is the most important thing I can share with you. If you're not content being single, you would not be content in a friendship, a dating relationship, or marriage. If you're not content being single, if you don't like you, and this sounds kind of rude, but if you don't like you, why should somebody else? Are you hear what I'm saying? You need to like you because you have God's DNA, but, but if you don't like yourself, you, you're sort of saying subconsciously or intentionally, God kind of messed up with me. But there's nothing wrong with you. So you, and another thing, I met this girl and she'd become a Christian, but before she became a Christian, I interviewed her for a singles book, and she said she'd been living with this guy and the relationship didn't work out. And while she was living, she put on a lot of weight and stuff like that. But she said when, she, when they broke up, uh, she, she lost a lot of weight. She went to the club, and she was not ugly. And she said, but she was at the club, but she was mad. And she said she believed, and she said she could not get any play at the club. And she said, I was looking good. And I said, I, I believe you. And, uh, but her, her negative attitude, I think, made her countenance look unattractive. Or that people just sensed there's something wrong with her, her spirit. They didn't want to be around her. And, and so I believe we need to understand that, but she was not content. But I think if we're content being single, then we can be content in relationships. Another reason you may still be single is because maybe we're not emotionally ready, which may cause you to become dependent. When you become dependent for somebody else to make you happy, then you're needy. So you're needy, you become dependent. When you become dependent, you become dysfunctional. When you become dysfunctional, you become destructive. You see, when you rely on somebody else to make you happy, then you put them on performance track to please you. And, that and, and you should be happier with them, but, but your whole contentment should not be based on who they are. It should be based on who you both are in Christ. Sometimes the person you may be ready that God wants to connect you with isn't ready. Or maybe you aren't ready. And some people define themselves by their relationship status. If they come out of one relationship, they got to get into another relationship because it reflects on them. If, I don't, if I'm not in a relationship, then maybe somebody thinks something's wrong with me. So we put this extra pressure on ourselves. Or maybe another reason for your singleness is that you've been wounded in a past relationship and you haven't healed from that past relationship. And if you haven't healed from that past relationship and you try and go to a new relationship, guess what? You carry the baggage of that bad relationship into a new relationship and put tremendous pressure on that. And often that won't work either. God does not want to compete with you and me for our affection for anyone or anything. So for some people, being in a relationship has become an idol. 
There could be spiritual lessons God wants to teach you before he lets you get into a relationship. Maybe allowing you to see who do you love most, God himself or being in a relationship. And maybe God wants to determine will you continue living for him if he never puts you in a relationship. And maybe God wants you to understand his ultimate goal for you isn't getting married, but it's a personal relationship with him. Does that make sense? You know, uh, years ago, I went down to Brazil. I was playing this all-star team. We had the best team in, 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 Dallas, in Fort Worth. And so the Southern Baptists sent our, our basketball team to, uh, to Brazil to play ball, play against their Olympic team. And we're down there, and uh, I felt I should have been starred, and the coach wouldn't start me. And so, you know, I, he, I, he and I had issues. But anyway, I would go into the game. This one particular game, I went in, I hit three jumpers. Now, this is, I'm so old, this is before the three-point shot, okay? What's that in effect then, okay? So I hit three jumpers from downtown in a row. The coach takes me out of the game. And being spiritually mature, I was so mad. I went to the end of the bench. The game was over here. And I'm, I'm like this. I'm just looking. I'm so upset. Well, what, who, the kid who comes, there's a 10-year-old boy comes down. He waves at me. And, and then everything changes. What had happened earlier, I had some friends who were from Brazil. And back then, I was young. I could remember, uh, pick up languages pretty quickly. So I learned Portuguese, enough to share, my, share the gospel and my testimony, a couple things like that. Well, I led this younger boy to Christ earlier that day. And when that little boy waved at me, the Holy Spirit hit me and said, you know, you've got your priorities messed up. He said, you were about playing basketball, and I brought you here to share the gospel. So I said, God, I said, God, it's okay. I don't have to play another minute. I'm not going to complain anymore about not playing. I'll be looking for an opportunity to share Christ. So that night I went to bed, and the team had a meeting in my bedroom. I'm so at peace with God, I don't hear the meeting. But they vote with the coach, and I start the rest of the time I'm there. Amen. See, once I got my priorities straight, then God could bless me. Are you with me? And then I could do that because it's not important anymore. And, and this is my BB days, too, before Brenda. And we were in Brazil, and, uh, and half the guys were married, you know. And so, and just being, you know, a spiritual guy, I, I noticed that nobody was witnessing to the single girls. And so, kind of like Jeremiah said, Lord, here am I, send me. You know, and so, uh, and so I said, God, you know, if you put me on the plane and put a, a pretty girl beside me, a girl beside me, I would share the gospel with her. And so God did that. So every time I got on the plane, you know, God said, what's going on? How could these girls sit beside you? I said, it's just the Lord. I said, if you walk with the Lord like me. No, you're even. anyway, so you can have fun with God. Be creative. Maybe singlehood is also time for, for you to get to know God personally and individually before you get into a relationship. The better you know God, the better you know yourself, and you better know what you're looking for. Being single, regardless of your age, could be because God has your best interest at heart. So think about that. Maybe it's that God is not trying to hold out on you. Maybe God's trying to hold his very best for you. Amen. You know, the Bible really didn't talk about dating. You know, uh, I met this young girl. She was, probably, uh, she was a cheerleader at high school, about 2000. Very attractive girl. But she says, I'm not going to do the dating thing. And she, the only time she ever started dating was when the guy she met and the guy she married. You know, he came to youth camp, the youth director. They got connected, started dating, got married. They've been married over 40 years. So, so there, I mean, some people date a lot, some don't. There's no right or wrong about that. But, you know, God is not always holding out on you. Maybe God sees what you can't see. So 
God keep you protecting us from an abusive relationship. Now think about this. We often don't think about this. Maybe you're so special that God does not want to share you with anybody. Somebody say, drag, God, I really want to be the first. You know, I'm just saying. Here's the last thing I think I want to say to singles. Don't seek to find God's best. Focus on being God's best. Don't seek to find God's best. Focus on being God's best because God won't bring his best to mess. Think about that. That takes all the pressure off you, okay? Now let me talk to the married folks a little bit. Is that, is that helpful for those who are single? Okay. Now let me talk to, and, and most of the stuff is in the book, and, I, and I, I've talked to your bookstore guy, and we're going to try and get our deal for you guys to get this book at a, a, a good price, okay? But, but most of the stuff is in there, and I go in much more detail. Okay. In Genesis, uh, not Genesis, but in, in uh, Ephesians 5, 25 and 26, I want to share with you seven practices. And if you're single, you probably want to listen to this as well. Uh, I still guess you have to since you're kind of stuck here. Anyway, but uh, I want to share with you some principles that are revolutionizing my marriage, okay? The first one is reading and applying God's word together. Reading and applying God's word together. In Ephesians 5, 26, 25 and 26, it says this. It says, husbands, this means love your wives. How? As Christ loved the church. You need to be willing to die for your wife. If you're willing to die for your wife, then you can live for her. Okay? And it says, he gave his life up for her to make her holy and clean, clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. I think this is what Christ did for the church, but I think it's a great application we as Christian men can do. It is okay if your wife knows more about the scripture than you do because you're not in competition. I think it's our job, guys, as men, to be initiators. If you begin to study what, what it is to be a man, and there's a great book in the library over there, What is a Man? Um, we need to be initiators. I think it's really important we do that. And don't worry about being in competition. The first thing is reading and applying God's word together. The second thing, which really blew me away as I've done the research, is praying together as a couple. Let me read this one quote. It says, virtually every one of the categories measuring, measuring marital bliss or marital happiness escalated significantly when couples simply pray together a lot versus pray together sometimes. It, it, it's phenomenal. Um, Dr. Phil, in his book, Relationship Rescue, he says, basically praying together lowers the chance of divorce to one out of 10,000. That's not divorce insurance, but that's pretty close. And... Guys, all I have to do is initiate it. I'm not talking about three hours, but think if you just grab your wife's hand and just pray with her periodically about life, work, if you have children, whatever, uh, that blesses her. No matter how strong that woman is, she loves the security of holding her hand and praying with you. That is huge. And I see some of the ladies going, they're smiling, guys. So I'm, I'm just saying, guys, keep looking at me, but, but, but they're, they're nodding their heads. I'm just saying, okay? So, so consider that. And, and one, uh, one researcher, uh, Father Andrew Greeley, he says it's the most powerful thing that a couple can do. Because your marriage is spiritual, we need to take advantage of that spiritual relationship. I see too many Christian couples struggling. They come to me for counseling, usually when there's been a pornography issue or there's been an affair, and, and they don't use the weapons God's given us. The indwelling Holy Spirit, 
the Word of God in prayer and in fellowship with other Christians. You know, if we would take advantage of that, we wouldn't have all the troubles that we have. A lot of Christians get isolated and those things happen. Well, the next thing that's really important uh, is being a pleasure to be married to. I was speaking at a family life conference. There might have been 800,000 people there. And uh, we had to speak a lot at these conferences. So on Saturday, I was, I was scheduled to speak four hours on Saturday, which is, which is a lot. And, I, and my buddy, his, his, speak, his wife was there. And I was kind of told before I went up, I said, I'm really tired. I got to get psyched up to give this last talk. Well, her husband heard me. He took his manual. He went up and talked, spoke in my place. Blew me away. And I told her, I said, I can't believe you did that. And she said, he's a pleasure to be married to. And that messed me up. I thought about that all weekend. And so, uh, so I, when I got back home, bring the picture from the airport, and I'm thinking about being a pleasure to be married to, and I'm wondering, Pastor Melina, I'm wondering what she thinks. Does she think I'm a pleasure to be married to, you know? And so I finally get enough courage. I said, Brenda, do you think I'm a <coughs> pleasure to be married to? You know, and uh, she looks at me, and she smiles, and she said, you okay? And so, uh, <laughs> and so I said, man. So, uh, so then I don't get defensive, but I got to say, you know, things I need to do, things I need to work on. So I started doing things around the house I'd never done before. And I think Brenda thought it was an invasion of the body snatchers, because she would come and she would say, uh, she said, did you do? I said, yeah. And then she said, did you? And everything was cool until one time she asked me to do something I didn't want to do. Are, are you with me? And uh, she got a promotion. She's a, an executive where she works. And, and, she, and we had this deal. I'm not mechanically inclined, you know. Uh, I'm just not good at that kind of stuff. But anyway, we made a deal. She's supposed to take care of the sprinklers outside the house. I call it yellow pages, but, you know, her dad could build houses, so she, she's good at that kind of stuff. So she's supposed to do that. I'm supposed to clean my office for counseling. I clean my office. She doesn't do the sprinklers. I let a week go by. I'm trying to be spiritual. I kind of said, Brenda, when are you going to take care of the, the sprinklers? She said, oh, I forgot, you know. And so it kind of goes back. Eventually, I kind of cornered her. and said, honey, when are you going to do the sprinklers? She said, I forgot. She says, uh, hey, will you help me do it? And my mind starts racing. Y'all know, you know what I'm thinking? I don't want to do these raggedy sprinklers. I mean, you're supposed to do it. And I'm thinking, you know, that's not fair. And I'm, and, and I'm getting a really good reasons to tell her why I shouldn't have to help her with the sprinklers. All of a sudden, the Holy Spirit says, I thought you wouldn't be a pleasure to be married to. I go, drag, man. So... I go, we do the sprinklers. But then God begins to show me I need to focus on just serving my wife, period. Not for what she can do back for me, just serving her. And it, 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 it revolutionized the way my marriage went. Because sometimes you can do tick for tat. I mean, y'all don't know that, but you know other people that do that. You know what I'm talking about? And I just start serving her no matter how she felt, no matter how I felt, and it just revolutionized the way things go. I think the other thing is we need to learn how to develop a consistent attitude of adjustment because our spot, things change. Are, are you with me? Things change. Uh, one night, we, uh, it was late at night. I work out of the house because I write books. And, and so um, I'm, I'm washing all the clothes, right? And I'm trying to do something. And, and I'm trying to actually hang up some of her clothes on, on, in the bathroom. And I said, I said honey, uh, you need to move this pile here. It's right in front of the tub. And you know what my beautiful wife said to me? She said, you got a lot of stuff in front of your dresser. I said, no, she didn't go there. <laughs> and I'm thinking, I'm trying to do this, and she, she's, we're going tick for tat. And the Holy Spirit says, look, it's late at night. She's tired. You're tired. 
Is it worth having a fight? Are y'all with me? I say it's not a big deal. And so we have to learn how to, how to make those adjustments. Do you guys have that video for me? It's not about to nail? Because some of y'all may have missed that. Y'all have that? Y'all have that in there? Okay, well, y'all play it real quick. And then I'm almost done. If you don't have it, that's okay. I'll keep, I'll keep rolling. You got it? Okay. It's just, there's all this pressure, you know? And sometimes it feels like it's right up on me and I can just feel it, like literally feel it in my head and it's relentless. And I don't know if it's gonna stop. I mean, that's the thing that scares me the most is that I don't know if it's ever gonna stop. Yeah. Well, you do have a nail in your head. It is not about the nail. Are you sure? Because, I mean, I'll bet if we got that out of there. Stop hey, trying to fix it. No, I'm not trying to fix it. I'm just pointing out that maybe the nail is causing. You always do this. You always try to fix things when what I really need is for you to just listen. No, see, I don't think that is what you need. I think what you need is to get the nail. See, you're out. not even listening now. Okay, fine. I will listen. Fine. It's just. Sometimes it's like there's this achy. I don't know what it is. And I'm not sleeping very well at all. And all my sweaters are snagged. I mean, all of them. I, that sounds really hard. It is. Thank you. Ow! Come on. Ow. If you would just don't. <laughs> Try to see things my way. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Okay. <laughs> now, ladies. Most of the time, when you come to us as, as a man and you have a problem, our natural inclination is to try and fix that problem because we're fixers. But a lot of times, you don't want us to necessarily fix your problem. Is that right? See, see guys, they're doing, we can take my offering right now. Um, guys, when your wife or girlfriend comes with a problem, she may just want to be sharing it because she wants you to be part of her world. And some women are verbal problem solvers, so they're just talking out loud and processing and so, guys, here's, here's something. Here's, this is free. I'm not going to charge you for it. This is free. When they come to you ask and tell you they have a problem, listen to it, but don't offer advice unless they ask you for advice. Because if we try and fix their problem without them asking, they think we think they're dumb. Okay? So don't do that. So it keeps you out of problems. So, but it's an adjustment we have to make. We always have to understand that we're, we're different from each other. Um, anyway, I'm, I'm almost need to finish up here. And... Uh, I just want to share this one last illustration with you, and then, um, and, th and then we'll be done. We'll be done. <sighs> this weekend, I think those who were here, you heard a lot of, I think, great marriage information and tools. And I want to share with you something that, that in the process, if we're going to make some changes, we may need to have to change our grip. I love playing tennis, especially when I stopped playing a lot of basketball. And a person taught me how to grip a racket. They told me to grip it just like that. 
And that's where I played old school. I was very successful, loved it. But uh, my game, you know, I had a hurt my back or something. I had a hard time with my serve, so I, I changed my, my serve. And, and I got to be so bad that uh, if no one's on the other side of the net, I would still lose the match. And so uh, my friend, um, uh, Luis, he said, uh, he, he said, you need to change your game since your game's so bad. Now let me change it for you. So he, he said, this is what the pros are doing. it." And Luis always brags about how good he is. He's 80 years old and play, he's number one in the mountain region. I said, Luis, Luis, you're number one. Everybody else is dead. And, uh, but... Uh, <laughs> But, but he changed my grip. And so I went from gripping like this to gripping like that. And so when you, and I start using the small muscles with the big muscles. And, and here's the deal. When you do that, you can hit the ball harder than ever before and it's with less effort. It's unbelievable. The tighter you hold this racket, the slower it goes through the, through the air and the slower your ball will go. But the looser you hold your racket and using the small muscle first and big muscles, guess what? You hit it a lot harder. Uh, it's, it's phenomenal. In fact, the guy I'd never beaten in 16 years, I changed his grip, and I beat him twice in 10 days. Unbelievable. But you know what you know, my natural tendency is to do under pressure in a, game, in a match when I first start doing this grip? What, what do you think would normally happen? Go back. Why would I go back? Because it's comfortable. But it doesn't make sense. And so, and even though this might hurt, I had to initiate... I had to work on these muscles so they, it would hurt for a little bit. But eventually, once I got used to it, it got better. As you have heard all these principles this weekend, those who are here and some today, I want you to consider changing your grip. But every time I have to do it now, especially at my age, I, yeah, I don't remember looking at the ball a whole lot when I was younger. But now at my age now, I have to look at it. If I don't, I'll miss it. But here's the deal. Every time I hit it now, it's an act of faith. I can't worry about what's happening on the other side of the net what my spouse is doing. All I can do is take care of me. And if I hit that ball right and I fall through, it goes on her side of the net, then I, then I respond to it. As a Christian, I can't change my spouse, but God can change me. And if I'm going to love my spouse, I've got to learn how to hit this ball in a way that honors God and honors my spouse, and then I've got to trust God for results. Does that make sense? May God bless you guys. Amen. Thank you, Dr. Schuler. Thank you, Brenda. Um, every year, this is the weekend that we concentrate on um, the expression of love. Um, different seasons during the year, uh, people concentrate on different priorities. Um, there needs to be expertise about how we go about um, understanding love, expressing love, imparting love. And uh, this is actually what Jesus said uh, would identify us amongst the nations. He says, you will know that these are my people, my followers, because they know how to love one another. And uh, this, this goes straight to the heart of um, who we are in our essence. Uh, the Bible says that you could feed the poor, you can light yourself and sacrifice yourself, light yourself on fire. Um, you could know the mysteries, you could speak like angels, but if you don't know how to love, 
you've done nothing. That's what 1 Corinthians 13 says. Um, so the expertise on love is, is something that is super powerful uh, for the Christian. As, as we hear all these principles, um, as a single young man, I, I went through some uh, BY days before Yvette. Um, and I, I recall being a miserable single person. And, and one day I was so miserable, I was going to take my life. And I said, you know, it's not worth living if you can't love somebody. Um, so at that moment, uh, right in the, the threshold of being young and single and, and waiting on God, uh, I was thinking about ending my life. And I said, wait a second. I just had a suicidal thought, and that's not me. I'm going to change my mode. And this is what I did, and it goes along with what you said this morning. I said, I can't find a significant other, and it hasn't come yet. God hasn't provided. I'm going to change this miserable thought, and I'm going to start getting in the mode of so prepared. I don't know who this woman's going to be, but whenever she shows up, she's going to have the most incredible relationship that anybody could have. And I began to prepare my single life to fill it with all that God can fill a life with. So whoever showed up, that was going to be a real blessed woman. If that's not here, she's back in rehearsal right now for the second service. But man, is she a blessed woman. <laughs> she's a blessed woman. Uh, listen, listen what it says for those of you that says, you, you, I can't find love. Let's go to Romans 5.5, 5, and you'll see where love comes from. And so that you, you won't continue to look uh, horizontally. You'll look vertically. It says, hope will not disappoint you because God's love will be poured out in the heart. So love is poured out in the heart through the Holy Spirit. You, you don't have love because somebody's not loving on you. You don't have love because you're not connected to God who pours out his love in the Holy Spirit. And, and when you start doing that, look at all the single people say, oh, I didn't try that yet. Well, try it. It's going to be good. Um, when you plug into that lifeline, I guarantee your life will shine like, like you got the best lover in the world. And that's what I did. I went from suicide, from single, from miserable. I said, wait a second. I, I switched it over to say, I'm going to fill myself up with so much of the goodness of God. Whoever shows up to my life is going to be a super happy woman. Uh, and so you can do the same thing. And I guarantee you, your, your, your mate will appreciate that you heard Dr. Shooter this morning and that you changed the switch and you're not your old miserable, oh, nobody loves me. Uh, you're going to start getting connected to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will come into you at levels that anybody who plugs in is going to get like a 220 shock. Um, a lot of people don't know why they call Valentine's the, the, the February 14th, the day of love. Only the people that come to this church for the last couple of years know. Those of you that don't know, I'm going to tell you. Uh, why, why February 14th? Uh, is that the day that Cupid shot the arrow? Cupid, draw back your bow. No. It's the day some scientists took microphones into the jungle. And it's the day of the year that they heard the most mating calls of all the year. That's why it's the day of love, man. All those animals are like, ha-ha, ha-ha. And the other like, ha-ha, ha-ha. So, let's practice. Ready? No, I'm just kidding. It's sad when somebody's going, ha-ha, and the other one's going, ha-ha. That's not the day of love. All right, enough of that stuff. 
land the plane. Imagine that God wanted to pour your life up so much with love that he gave his son. That's what my Bible says. He so loved the world, so wanted to get plugged in. Uh, this morning I was talking with Carlos. We went to go pick up Dr. Schuler and his wife, and I said, listen, if, and, and this is all in the same, I didn't know what you were going to share this morning, but I know the Holy Spirit knew, and I knew that it was a timely word. Uh, how many give thanks to God for what they heard today? Amen. So if we ever get in line with God's purpose and God's word and God's understanding of how we live life, he, he, let me, he doesn't leave anything out. He's, he's decorative. He's methodical. He's so precise and detailed. Let's stand this morning. Ask the musicians to come forward, please. And, and you know, put, don't put the cart before the horse. There's, there's no way... Um, and we've gone through this for many years here at the church. We've been around for 19 years. We're going to celebrate our 19th anniversary in April. Um, the, the girls are always like this. They're like, Pastor. I'm like, what? Why hasn't God given me my husband yet? I says, because you don't even know how to do coffee. <laughs> He's going to be a miserable husband. You still don't know how to make your bed. You still don't know how to do the laundry. You still have not prepared your character to sustain the difficult times. The Bible says a virtuous woman, she fears not for her household. She's prepared to address every situation. And I, I want to tell you something. A single man doesn't need more liability. He needs an asset. He needs somebody to strengthen him, to come along his side and be encouraged and to be a powerhouse woman ready to confront adversity and opposition. Now, I want to tell you that when God says, let us make this provision for man, um, the Hebrew context is cheerleader, one who would lift up his spirits. It's like you're down 51 to zero, and she's still like, go, go, go. You can do it. You can do it. Bang, bang, go. Choo-choo train, whatever it is. <laughs> she's his cheerleader. And if she's cheering for him, no one could come against him. No one could come and discourage a man when he has a woman that's next to him that believes in him, that is full of the Spirit of God, full of the wisdom of God, full of the right words. And so all these components come together to, to perfect what God uh, has brought together. So um, during this Valentine's season, uh, for many people, it's a sad time because they go into the jungle and there are no mating calls. Um, I want to encourage you to raise up your, uh, your eyes to the heavens and, and to make your mating calls in that direction. Call upon the name of the Lord. Call upon his presence to come over your life to give you an extreme makeover. Uh, nothing uglier than a woman without joy. And, and your joy needs to come from the Lord. Uh, your joy needs. I was, I was reading something. I think I have it there on my desk. Um, I'm always reading stuff. and It's all weird. Um, but but a lot of people are running in the wrong direction, especially when, when people are, are, are tapping into culture. Um, I, was, I was in Cuba. Uh, the documentary is coming along. I just saw the first episode they sent down to me. We'll be watching it in the next couple of days. Um, but we were in Cuba, and a young man comes up to me. He says, you know, I'm married to this woman. It's a young girl. He's about 25. She's about 21, 22. And, and he says, she wants me to shave my entire body. She doesn't like me to be hairy. 
Listen to me, that's, that's a big problem, you know, that, that your wife comes in with cultural desires. She wants you to look like these guys in the, in the uh, fashion magazines. Uh, and he says, she doesn't want me to have any hair. I said, well, you know something, that's kind of strange, but um, how about you? And he goes, what about me? I said, yeah, you, you want her to get breast implants. I didn't know him but I know she's a reflection of him. And so if he's asking her to look like these supermodels on these magazines, now she's wanting him to look like those guys without hair on those magazines. And he goes, you know, you, how did you know that? I go, yeah, because you guys have a fake marriage. She, you want, she wants you to look like the guy that's in that magazine who's not married to her, who's a fantasy, and you want her to look like that supermodel that's in the magazine that's not like her. So both of you guys are fakes and you have a fake marriage. He goes, yeah. I go, then stop. Get, get culture and fashion out because that would not satiate. This is a problem with pornography and men who, who are pursuing fantasy. It's not real. It's not authentic. It's not genuine. So here, this morning I was, I was looking through some stuff and this came up. And it says, Mom, what is fashion? So the young girl, she's about 10 years old. She's asking mom. She doesn't know what fashion is. She says, mom, what is fashion? And her mom says, fashion is to put away your own standards to accept the false standards of a bunch of imbeciles. That you're trying to look like a bunch of imbeciles that are out there because you don't have your own standards. And I think God has the best standard. And I believe, and I believe, and I've told the girls that have been here for a lot of time, a lot of the girls are born with curly hair and they're, they're straightening that hair out. And their husband comes in here looking for a curly hair girl. And I look around and sees all these, what are they called? What's the iron? The iron curl where you straighten out all your curls and you have straight hair. He looks around, he says, my wife must not be here because God told me I was going to marry a girl with curly hair. And then the girls, like my wife that has straight hair, she can't get it to curl for anything in the world. She's always trying to curl it. I was looking for a straight hair girl. And she had some curls, so I looked the other way. I was like, and the, the chubby girl wants to be skinny. And the guy, I've had guys says, you know something? I want to marry a chunky girl, man. I want some meat on that thing. I want, right? And the girls are like, and goes, it might not be her. And then the skinny girls want to be fat. And, and, you know, the guy's looking for, like, a broomstick. And he comes and sees this girl who's letting it slide. And that, that's not it. So when you don't have the spirit of God, you're missing it. You're not authentic. You're not real. And God made you perfect in every way. And he's fashioned you just like. I was worried because when I looked down at my toes, I had some wicked toes. And I, I swore. I said, man, one day I'm going to meet the girl as soon as I take off my socks and my shoes. And she sees those those freak toes and guess what God does he gives me a wife with freakier toes and I said come on honey pull them out let's look at our toes and we're changing the world with crooked toes but this is God this is God and God is awesome and so when you're trying to lose who you are, you're losing who God created you to be to become what God destined you. Now, you guys don't go around asking Yvette to look at her toes now. She's going to beat me up. 
It's going to be a, a bad Valentine's for me. But the Spirit of God is here. It's a spirit of excellence. It's a spirit of joy. It's a spirit of peace. It's a spirit, he says, the love I give you, the world cannot give you. The reality that I want to shed upon your hearts is not the reality that this world can offer. And, and trust me, that give it all to Jesus. Just lay it, go full blast in Jesus' direction. And I promise you one thing, you'll never regret it. You won't regret a second of doing that. Um, and then the, your single years, where's Ceci Palma? She's in there with the girls. Ceci Palma, uh, she grew up in our house somewhat. She would stay over some summers. And she was single. And she's like, when am I going to get married? When am I going to get married? She's like 15 years old. I said, listen, you play with Barbies. You know, it's not time for you to get married. So she, she was on fast track married. And then some, some shyster came around, woof, took off. Pastor Palma took her off into marriage land and babies and stuff like that. And she's always looking at me like saying, I can't believe I was on the fast track to this. Um, only because that season of life will come in its season. Enjoy your single life. All the married women say, absolutely. Come on, say it louder. <laughs> you single girls, uh, enjoy your singleness. Because as soon as you have to uh, sleep with these funny looking people uh, you're going to regret wanting to fast track it enjoy your single life and uh, enjoy it with Jesus enjoy it serving the Lord Father thank you for this day uh, your visitation for our church and Dr. Clarence Schuler and Brenda and the wisdom, the love, the fellowship they've shared with us Lord thank you for friends oh God thank you for ministry partners thank you for a, a good word in season we won't forget this weekend uh, the weekend of the 2017 Live, Love, Laugh, Lord. The weekend of uh, right before Valentine's Day. The, the world celebrates love and doesn't even know how to do it. They try to romance. They try to enter into ca cultural trends and, and fashions that have nothing to do with the authenticity and the reality and genuineness of your provision. Father, we repent for one reason. That we thought that you had forgotten. Our ways went uh, stray in a direction that just left us in despair and loneliness and sadness. Those are not fruits of the Spirit, oh God. We pray that your presence would connect to us, such as Romans 5, 5, that the love of God would pour, be, hope does not disappoint us because the love of God is being poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit. That's the lifeline of the essence of real love so that we can connect and form families and marriages that glorify your name, churches that change the world by expressing deep, authentic love. Bless the families here, Lord. Heal past hurts, uh, past failed accomplishments, oh God. Situations that were out of our control and out of our scheme of wisdom and knowledge and not prepared to come against the enemy, Lord. But we propose, Lord, that we will get back on track. We will heal through your spirit and grace, your mercy and goodness. And you will make us whole again, Lord. And that which the enemy has stolen, you will restore. Seven times, Father, uh, times of perfection, seasons of reality. We pray, Father God, that your prosperity would be in our homes, in our finances, in our employment, Lord. That you lift us up that we can provide for our households in measures of abundance, leaving the legacy of blessing in this journey of life. We give you thanks in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen and amen. Greet one another in the love of the Lord.